Welcome to Positively Speaking, a podcast that explores the experiences of people living with HIV. Positively Speaking is brought to you by Casey House, a specialty hospital in Toronto providing care to people living with and at risk of HIV. I'm your host, Liz Creel. I'm a social worker at Casey House. The focus of this episode is on the experience of being HIV positive and living as a trans woman. While there are many definitions related to people who identify as trans, non-binary, or gender fluid, in this episode, we'll refer to Sheik as trans, a term that she's chosen and is comfortable with. And just a warning, this episode contains references to suicide and other content that may be upsetting to some listeners. See the episode notes for information about how to access supports. Sheikha, who you might remember from our episode on HIV and immigration, is originally from Honduras, and her journey brought her to Canada as a refugee claimant 20 years ago. She only found out that she was HIV positive when she went through the immigration process. But before we hear from Shika, we want to call your attention to important facts related to the challenges faced by many in the trans community. In 2019, a Trans Pulse Canada survey collected over 2,800 responses from trans and non-binary people aged 14 years or older and living in Canada. Here are some of the results from that survey. One in three reported that their primary health care provider had no knowledge about trans and non-binary health needs, and 59% were misgendered daily. One in three had considered suicide in the past year, and 64% reported avoiding three or more public spaces such as public washrooms, schools, and public transit, for fear of being harassed or outed. While arguably the acceptance and visibility of trans and non-binary people have shown recent improvement, compared with the general population, trans and non-binary people still have worse mental health, high rates of depression, suicidality, and self-harm behavior, among other concerns, and face ongoing harassment and discrimination. If you're interested in learning more, including information about trans mental health. You can find links to resources in the episode notes. But now back to Sheikha. Sheikha never felt like she was in the right body from the time she was very young. I grew up with three sisters, my mom and my aunt who was helping raising us. I totally believed I was a girl. So then I I just, my, my sisters, because they were older than me, they would, they would dress me up as a, as a girl. When I was just like four or five, I remember I started liking it so much. And because I, 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 th- I think they already saw in me that I was more like girly than a boy. And that's why they just thought, oh, let's, let's put our old clothes on him. So that I would do it on my own when, when they were not around. And I would put like towels on my head and just like put it down and do like braids with a towel. And then I did that for as long as I can remember. And so it was a, a house full of women because my dad left the house maybe when I was around five or four years old. Then my mom asked dad to just get out. My dad was cheating on my mom and my mom put up with him for so long until she didn't see any value in him anymore to be even our dad, to ask him to leave, to not be in our lives. So next thing you know, there is no father figure anywhere. So when he left, it was peaceful at home. It was so nice. I mean, I can tell you that I had the most beautiful childhood and the worst of it at the same time. 
As Sheikha grew up, she started to face significant challenges, particularly in her hometown. When I was the happiest was when my mom would take us to see my grandma at her ranch, which was like three hours away from the city. And there on, I would just go and play with the horses, play with my cousins, and go to the river, take the cows to the river, hang from trees, and all do all these amazing things. But in the city, it was just like, I was just a bullied kid, you know? Some of the bullies were nice to me when we were just on our own. But in, in a group setup, it was always like the bullies. And that's why I, I would even like just go and take the bus on my own to go see my grandma. But I remember by the time I was 12, 13, I was getting some seminars in school about sex. You're hitting the, your puberty and you're like, what is going on? The whole thing was confusing to me. And by the time I went to high school and everything, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't know. I started hearing about gay people. I thought that being gay meant that you felt like a girl. And I, I was I ever wrong? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I ever heard the word trans until I probably came to Canada. But I saw trans people down there. I saw trans people and I saw how oppressed and repressed they were. But I also thought to myself, I don't want to end up like them. I don't want to end up that sad and so, so unsupported and poor. So it was like, okay, I, I need to fit in somehow. I was being bullied and harassed on the street by specific people that were belonging gangs, have these little gangs there. So they had nothing to do but hang around where people pass by, when people go to work and people go to school. So every time I went to work or school, they were there. I was here. I have some, at times they would um, uh, use violence. And uh, it was very, it was, it was like, it was very humiliating, very dehumanizing for me. Desperate to fit in, the only place she could felt she'd be accepted and find community was within the Mormon church, which she was familiar with. Unfortunately, the church was no different to what she experienced elsewhere in that she was bullied and stigmatized. So then I went back to the Mormon church because my, one, once my dad left, we didn't go back to the Mormon church. And then I went back on my own to try to find a community, to try to find like good people, I guess. And uh, so I went to church. By that time, my, my uncle was a big, big leader in the Mormon church. And they received me with open arms. So at, at some point, the guy who was, I felt like he was attracted to me, was being a bully to me at church. And he was, he was so bad that I decided not to go to church anymore because I didn't want to be like them. When Sheikha realized the church was not the right place for her, she started exploring and meeting new people on her own. But this brought a whole new set of issues. So I started uh, meeting people, going to the gay bars. I was by, by then I was like almost going to university and like getting out and meeting new people, all kinds of people. And uh, next thing you know, I'm I'm a party girl. <laughs> <laughs> as easy as that from church girl to party girl socialite oh gosh it was crazy 
But my family didn't take that very well. They're like, okay, okay, so you're going to be gay, I guess, and you're going to do this, you're going to be that. And then the, I, I slowly saw all the doors be, being closed on me. Despite feeling that no one had her back, she could kept moving forward on her own. This took enormous courage. I was a very hardworking girl. I was working in the morning as an English teacher, going to like a, as a telephone op- international telephone operator in the afternoons. On my, on my dinner break, I would go to a French course. And then at night, I would DJ at the, at the gate club. And I was, I was so tired. I was so tired. I'm like, Where, what am I doing? And then everybody's mad at me. No one's happy with me. So I started getting a, a bit depressed. At some point, my family came up to me, just before I was coming out, I guess. I was working in a hotel, and I made a friend from the U.S., and he kept on sending me letters. And uh, my mom, they found the letters. <laughs> so they're like, are you gay? Oh, I have like this intervention, all my sisters and my mom, are you gay? And I'm like, oh my gosh. They went, in my, they went into my private drawer, first of all. <laughs> So rude you know when you're like confronted like that and you just don't even know what to say because you don't even know what's really going on as a young person she had experienced a complex childhood not having her dad around her experiences at school at church and figuring out relationships and her sexual identity anyways the time went by and i started dating dating a guy and uh it was crazy because then I started being like openly gay, I guess, at work here and there. And it just like, you know, the barriers just started building up, building up. And at some point, you maybe by before I was 20, I was already suicidal. My sisters at some point didn't want to move, didn't want to live with me. They had converted to Gnosticism and they had another set of beliefs, systems that it was, they just didn't want to, we were fighting a lot. There were a lot of arguments. So I would, I would fight with like playing loud music and just being loud. I'm very good at that. But, uh, because I, I, I just don't like it when people are just shoving their values on me when I'm not even, I'm not hurting you. I'm not doing anything to you. I'm trying to live my life, you know, but no, it just didn't work out. They moved out. My grandmother passed away shortly after my mom, my mom was very sad she asked him to move back in. They come back to me to tell me that they would do it only if uh, I, I would just stop being who I was. And I said yes for my mom's sake. Sheikha was forced to give up who she was in order to please her family. And that had dangerous consequences. Sheikha recalls an experience she had in hospital after overdosing on lorazepam. I was waking up and from, I think I took lorazepam, a bunch I, st- I stole from somebody. And uh, I was waking up and I, and I, I have, somebody's holding my hand and he's praying. And he's the, one of the ladies from church and she's praying for me to die. Take him, Lord, take him so I can see him in heaven before she com- he commits all the crimes, all the sins that gay people do, right? And I'm just like, I was in shock. I was in total shock. I was like, 
wow, I'm not going to open my eyes. I'm going to pretend I'm fainted again. <laughs> sleeping. Once my mom came in, I felt safe to open my eyes. And she was crying. And I said, I know, I know why you're crying. I said, you don't have to blame yourself for what happened to me. And uh, so we kind of made an agreement that everything was forgiven. So when uh, she asked me, what can I do for you not to try to hurt yourself again? And I said, get me out of here. <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind, not, not, have not even ever thought about leaving home or leaving my country. And I said, get me out of here. I don't belong in this place. Maybe Spain, maybe the U.S., somewhere. My family started reaching out because I think they realized that I was gone already. I was gone. And then if they didn't, if they didn't reach out, I wouldn't have. My sisters were uncomfortable with who I was. My dad was uncomfortable. Everybody was uncomfortable. I'm like, what the heck? I'm just gonna, you know, just gonna have to be on my own. And that I felt like that was my destiny, just to be on my own because of all the programming that that my family had in their in their vision, in their in their concepts of, of the world, and and just I'm just gonna be on my own. And it's not their fault. It's just that it's sad that they they let the program overcome the love that they had for me. It was all in me. It was like that, another manipulation. I couldn't get a phone call, couldn't have a friend over, let alone a boyfriend. Can't have music, can't be out after 11 p.m., I think it was. And then other things happened like that, that were just like, you know, I'm depressed. What's the point? It was really hard for Shika to understand why people couldn't see beyond the labels they imposed on her. I was always nice. I was always very attentive to the people I cared about because I didn't want them to like just see me as somebody who's gay or trans or whatever. I didn't want that label on me. I wanted to be like, I'm a person. I can make you laugh. I can, can make you dinner. We can go for a walk. We can play. We can do all, all kinds of things. But no, people always focus on the things that they think are wrong with you and oh my gosh, goodbye. As mentioned in the episode on HIV and immigration, in order to move on with her life, Sheikha left Honduras, and with the support of her mom, she made her way to New York City to stay with her aunt. This was not long after 9-11, and Sheikha found it intolerable to remain in New York. So she decided to take her chances and apply for refugee status in Canada. She made it through that process, during which she learned for the first time about her HIV status. After periods in Vancouver and Montreal, Sheikha finally settled in Toronto, where she lives today. In Canada, Sheikha felt more accepted and comfortable in her own skin. And despite the numerous hurdles she had to face, Sheikha refused to let those experiences bring her down. Here she describes an experience during Pride in Toronto. I started being more comfortable with who I am. I found a job in like six months, working in hotels again. And then I started finally experiencing what it's like to dress up as a girl freely and, and not care about what others think. There was definitely 
a change of scenery, a change of energy. Pride Toronto just happened a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. And I, I had some friends visiting from Vancouver and I was so proud to like show them how open-minded the city is and how like, you know, uh, avant-garde it is and so forward and so uh, organized when it comes to like, oh, so I know we're at the park and this man started yelling that I'm a disgusting human being. That, I, that, that I'm a man in a dress or something like that. It was just so crazy. Right over here, Allen Gardens. But yeah, it was kind of like, it takes away from your dignity that they're yelling at you in a park like that. And it's something that most people will not, will not experience. I'm just going to go to, to the corner store and get something. And then as I'm just walking there, Alex, you know, these guys yelling at my ear, get that fuck away from me, you fucking tranny. And I'm just like, oh, well, good day to you too. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, those things take away from your dignity. And 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 those things and 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 the all the, the passive aggressive ones too, when people are being nice to you, but they're but they're also not being very nice to you. And, and it's like, really? Is it because who I am? Because who I am is perfect. It's fabulous. And I love it. And there's not something that should be a problem for you. No, I'm not going to give them that power. No more. Because I'm taking my power back. Given all of the hardships, Sheikha's resilience naturally had its limits. Her journey to health was not without major setbacks. At one point, Sheikha spiraled. She lost everything and had to find the resources to regroup. At some point, I became a little pretentious. And then tried to kind of ignore, I bottle up everything without dealing with it. It just kept on going, on going until the car crashed. Nobody gives you a manual. Nobody tells you how to deal with toxic people. And then sometimes, and then you become toxic. And then it's just, it's just crazy. It's just like, it's just like, it's like fire, fire and gas just like keeps going. I remember having like the, put, you know, the, my mechanisms to kind of like deal with all the, all the bullshit, excuse my word, was to be, to build a wall and, and just, pretend to be a little bit stronger than how I felt inside. And next thing you know, I'm a bully. And then people start either respecting you, disliking you, and letting you go because then you start really hurting people that you love. It was not until I found myself uh, at the transitional housing program at Five House where I finally just had some time to regroup, gather myself <laughs> gather all the pieces and I started meeting these incredible people that gave me the support that I didn't realize was out there and I felt very humble and I also felt really proud then once my housing got stabilized I started being offered to be a peer, peer leader. And then I started taking all these, all these courses and giving all these tools about how to deal with all the stress 
that has been bottled up. After so many rejections and struggles, Sheikah remains strong and resilient. Now that she has her power back, Sheikah is able to reflect on those times with humor. How many times have I gone on a date in the moment I say I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person living with HIV? And that's the end of the story. That's a deal breaker right there. Forget about getting educated on it. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It's, it's done. Or let alone when they're like, yeah, I'm trans. And, and they're like, what? Disgusting. Gone. They're gone. And I'm like, well, really? <laughs> well, thanks. I guess, the, I guess I'm doing a good job. <laughs> but there, there will be people, there, there will be amazing people that are, will just be normal to you. They'll just treat you as another human being. For many years, the trans community has been invisible and only recently is getting more recognition. In this episode, we heard from Sheikha about the stigma and barrier she's experienced. We recognize this is one story. It's important to understand that most people in the trans community continue to face multiple barriers to health and equitable inclusion in Canadian society. They face harassment and discrimination with limited access to services and supports. Access to primary health care, including mental health services, is a huge and growing problem in Canada. For trans and gender diverse people, there are significant additional challenges to accessing gender-affirming care. If you're interested in learning more, please search for your local trans community network or organization. Resources will be listed in the episode notes. We asked Sheikha if there was a message she would like to share with the audience. When you try to be somebody, you're always going to be in a perpetual competition to be better than other people. And you're, also, you're always end up being like, oh, there's better people than me. But, oh, they're better than me. Oh, I'm, ju- I'm just a trans person. Oh, I'm just a gay guy. Oh, I live with a Chevy. And then you end up victimizing yourself. Just be free. Just be you. Just, just be happy. Just make a choice to be happy. For you, not for anybody else. We'd like to offer our heartfelt thanks to Sheikha for sharing her story. While many will identify with her experiences and success, everyone's experience is unique. What is common to everyone is that the pathway forward involves major obstacles and challenges, and not everyone has access to the opportunities and resources that Sheikha was able to find. Like Shika, we look forward to the day when there are no barriers to being trans and where all of us are accepted and included equitably and none of us are othered. If you have any comments or questions about this episode, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at caseyhouse.ca. You can also visit our website at caseyhouse.ca for a transcript of this episode, a glossary of terms, and links to other resources. This episode was written and produced by Andre Saranto, Amanda Crawford, and me, Liz Creel. The music was composed and performed by Nick Nausbaum. Our sound engineer was David Mata. Also special thanks to Tony Boston and Adam McGee for their creative input and support. Remember to subscribe to Positively Speaking on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for listening.